Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. City Life, we are in for a special treat today. My hero, Pastor Brad Leach, will be sharing in just a moment. And with it being October, being a treat type of year, I'm not sure what your favorite candy is, but candy, it lasts for a moment. But when you meet someone that impacts your life, it ripples through days, months, years, and decades. And that's when you know that relationship is special. Pastor Brad has been somebody that's been investing and coaching in me way before you ever met me. When I was selling cars, reaching out to him, he was encouraging me in the ministry. When I was questioning certain doctrines, he was help coaching me and giving me direction. When I'm asking for insight on how to be a better husband and a dad, Pastor Brad is giving me insight and wisdom. So if you've ever experienced any type of benefit from God's grace in and through my life in this ministry, you need to know one of the heroes behind pouring into me and us is Pastor Brad Leach. He helped birth City Life Lansing. He saw the gifting and the calling and the passion in us. He was trying to recruit us to Philadelphia and in that moment came conversations that God wanted us to birth a church in Lansing for the one and he said, I want to help empower that. Who does that? Pastor Brad. He's a leader of leaders. He's extraordinaire. I'm grateful for the investment here, as you can tell. So I want to increase our excitement. Let's give a warm, digital, physical, no matter where you're at, welcome to the one and only from City Life Philly, Pastor Brad Leach, y'all. What is up, City Life Lansing? It is so good to be a part of your online services this weekend. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Brad Leach. I'm the lead pastor of City Life Philly. So we are sister churches from Philadelphia to Lansing, Michigan. And I just want you to know I love your church. I have enjoyed every opportunity God's given me to just be there with you. Um, I love the vibe, man, City Life Lansing and what you guys are doing in such an important strategic city. I'm so proud of you and our church is so uh, privileged to be connected to you. And I just got to tell you this, I am also the president of the Jerome and Crystal Veerling Fan Club. (laughs) What's up? I love your pastors so much. They inspire Leah and I in so many ways, even with the number of children that we have. They have just been inspiring us and and, um, leading the way for us. And so we just admire them. We look up to them. And I'm so grateful that God is giving them this time away to just refresh, recharge, rest. And I know God's going to bring them back to you full of life, full of vision. And so come on, just right there in the chats, light it up. Give me some hearts if you love your pastors. What a gift they are um, to City Life Lansing. And it's a privilege to be a part of just uh, the conclusion of this King 
Finding Jesus series that you've all been a part of. And man, I just love this series that God put in uh, Pastor Jerome's heart because this is an amazing time, right, in the history of our country. Maybe you've heard, I think there's an election coming up in a few weeks on November 3rd. And I don't think it's breaking news that our country is pretty divided right now. And if ever there was a time for the church of Jesus to get a vision uh, of the kingdom of God and who Jesus is as our king, now is that time. And so I want to share with you from my heart, because I think an election season like this, you know, it can bring out the best in us because God's called us to care. He's called us to be engaged. It can also bring out the worst in us at times. Uh, we tend to, you know, I think be pretty forgiving of the weaknesses of our own opinions and views and the leaders who champion and represent those and maybe not so much on the other side. And as a result, an election season can be Become a time, you know, for mudslinging and caricatures and anger and bitterness to just kind of get into our hearts. And so I think if an election season can go that way, here's what that means that an election season can also be an opportunity for the body of Christ to stand out in a dark world as a loving, compassionate, hopeful thoughtful, bold minority of people. And so that's the goal that we can disagree politically and love unconditionally. I believe that's possible. And if we can do that, think about the hope and the light that we can bring uh, to Lansing over the next few weeks. We can make an impact. And so I want to share with you from an encounter that Jesus had actually with some political leaders in his day, because it's amazing, you know, Jesus and his heart, his teaching, it applies so perfectly to everything that we go through in life and especially in this season. And so it's in Mark chapter 12, and we're going to start reading in verse 13. Here's what it says. They sent to him, to Jesus, some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And so just like today, Jesus lived in an extremely polarized culture. There were Pharisees and Herodians, and they represented two very different political views, two competing really visions for Israel and how Israel should relate to Rome. And it was divided. And so Jesus comes and this carpenter comes into the midst of this polarized climate and he starts preaching a message that nobody's ever heard before. He starts telling people the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of heaven is here. And people could tell that the message was fresh, that it was new, that it was full of life, that it was hopeful. But they were still trying to figure Jesus out. Like, yeah, okay, but which side are you on? And they're trying to peg Jesus and they were trying to, you know, figure out where he fell on the political spectrum. And they were confused because Jesus just over and over again defied the labels and didn't fit comfortably into any of their boxes. And so to smoke him out. They kind of bring up this wedge issue uh, of taxes. And, you know, they think, all right, it's cancel culture. We're going to cancel Jesus. And so let's keep reading in verse 14. It says, they came and said to him, teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion. They're kind of buttering him up. For you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. And here comes the question. Here comes the trap. 
Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? So here's their question, and it's about taxes, something that we're still talking about politically 2,000 years later. Should we raise them? Should we lower them? Should we pay them? And 2,000 years ago, they were talking about taxes. And this wasn't a sales tax or a tax really as we know it in our country today. This was an imperial tax. In other words, this was a tax that... Israel, that the Hebrews and other people like them in the Roman Empire that had been conquered by Caesar, that they were ordered to pay as subjects of the Roman Empire to the imperial authority, to the emperor, to Caesar. We're not talking about pizza, pizza, little Caesars. Now we're talking about Caesar, like the emperor, the ruler of the kingdom of the empire enacted this imperial tax from his subjects, including the Hebrews. And uh, it was given so that they could take over more people in the empire and run the Roman Empire. And in fact, all Roman citizens, they had to bow their knee and declare that Caesar is Lord. And so when Rome would come in and take over another country, they would bring to the people that they were captured, that they were kind of taken over, this good news that, hey, guess what? Caesar is Lord. They actually called it the gospel. Sounds familiar, right? And they would come in and they would say, hey, good news. Peace is here for you now, the Pax Romana. And now you're a part of this empire. You're a part of this kingdom. Caesar is your Lord. And Caesar would actually make that claim that I'm the son of God and I'm bringing peace. And so if you put yourself in the shoes of the Jews, man, there was deep, deep contempt that they had for the Roman Empire because they believed that there's only one true God. And it's not Caesar. It's not the emperor of Rome. And so the question that was on the lips of everybody in the Jewish community was, can we get rid of Rome? And how can we get out from under the tyrannical rule of Caesar? And so that's the backdrop for this question to Jesus. Jesus, should we pay this tax? And they think they've got a trap here for Jesus. Notice this is a binary set of choices. Yes or no, either or. Should we pay it? Should we not pay it? And they're hoping to kind of get Jesus onto one side or the other of this binary position. And here's what they're thinking. Man, if Jesus says, no, don't pay the tax, well, then they can solve themselves of this Jesus problem because they'll say to Rome, hey, here's a revolutionary. He's inciting rebellion against Rome. He's telling the people uh, not to pay their taxes and Rome will get rid of him. But on the other hand, if Jesus says, yes, you should pay your taxes, well, that's not going to sit good for you know a really devout, radical Jew who's thinking, man, we got to get rid of Rome and here's this guy and he's not a real revolutionary and what's his kingdom about and he's just telling us to give it to the man and make peace with Rome. And so they're thinking, man, win-win for the Pharisees and the Herodians, lose-lose for Jesus. But as we're going to see, uh, it doesn't quite work because Jesus is hard to pin down. And let me just say this, City Life Lansing, the systems of this world will always try to box us into a binary set of options that limit the full scope and power of God's kingdom. And they want a yes or no answer so they can, you know, get a soundbite from Jesus to run on Fox News, to run it on MSNBC. But as always, Jesus is like a ninja with their questions. And so look at this in verse 15. It says, but knowing their hypocrisy. Anybody else just sense some hypocrisy from time to time in our political systems today? He said to them, why put me to the test? 
bring me a denarius and let me look at it. So Jesus isn't fooled. He can see that they've got ulterior motives here, an ulterior agenda that's going on. And he says, hey, somebody give me a coin, a denarius, which is fascinating to think about because he doesn't have one. Here's a king without a nickel. A king without a dime, a king without a quarter, a king who doesn't need fundraising dinners, a king who doesn't need super PACs. Jesus, they've never seen anybody like him. And it says here in verse 16, so they brought him one, and now Jesus is holding this coin, and he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. So Jesus is setting them up. He's got this coin. And on the Roman coin, on a denarius, in that day, there was two things, an image and an inscription. The inscription simply said, Caesar is the son of God, son of Augustus the God. That was the inscription. The image was Caesar. So we got a picture, you know, on our money. Might be uh, Washington, might be Abraham Lincoln. The picture was Caesar's picture. And so Jesus asked the question, they answer, and then here's his response in verse 17, and you just see his brilliance. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. So watch this. Jesus is holding the denarius. He says, hey, whose picture is on this? Whose image is on this? He says, Caesar's. Okay, Caesar's image is on it. Then it belongs to him. Render it. Render simply means give it back to the person who owns it. Give it back to Caesar. Give the denarius back to him. But then here's what Jesus is going to say through this question. Whose image is on you? Give to Caesar what Caesar's. His picture's on the coin. Awesome. Pay your taxes. But whose image is on you? Give to God what is God's. And I love this because he's saying if Caesar's image is on the coin, then my image is on you. And so give back to God what is his. He's saying you and I, City Life Lansing, we are God's image bearers. You are mine. So give yourself back to me. Caesar stamped his money. But listen, God has stamped your heart. Do you realize that? You are Christ's coin. That's who you are. His image is stamped on your soul. And so Jesus doesn't just want your money. He wants your whole life. He wants your whole heart. Jesus says you can give the government a portion of your paycheck, but you can never give it your soul because you're made in the image of a loving God. And so Jesus is saying, listen, there's a place for government. People will ask me, So what should I do? Should I be involved? Yes. Yes. God's called his people to be engaged. And so vote, be engaged, be thoughtful about it. Search the scriptures, research the platforms, all of the above. Have an opinion. That's my opinion. Everybody should have an opinion. Be engaged with it. Give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Play your part, but recognize, church family, there's a bigger priority that's uh, in order to things, and that is God's kingdom. And so where is the kingdom? Don't miss this. It's not in Washington, D.C. It's in your heart. It's inside of you. It's inside of me. 
In fact, in Luke 17, the Pharisees asked Jesus, where is this kingdom that you keep talking about? And I love Jesus' response. He says, when it comes, you're not going to be able to just point and say, look, there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. That's what Jesus says. It's inside of you. And that's incredibly good news, everybody, because what that means is that no matter where you live on planet Earth, no matter what political regime you may be under today, no matter which political party is in power in the White House or the Senate or the House of Representatives, it means that we can experience anywhere on earth the full reign of God's kingdom because it's not on the outside, it's within our hearts. It's present within you. That's Jesus. He's a king bringing a kingdom that changes people's lives, not with laws and policies, but by giving them new hearts and new desires. It's God's kingdom. And you belong to it. So do I. You know, think about the word kingdom. You can divide it into two parts. King, dumb, D-O-M. And that's what a kingdom is. It's wherever the king dominates. A kingdom is wherever the king has rule, wherever the king has governmental authority and power. And so God's kingdom is where God, what God wants done gets done. So Jesus says, as God dominates your life with his sacrificial life, you're going to start to change from the inside out. And as you start to change, guess what? Your relationships, your family is going to start to change. And as your family starts to change, your neighborhood's going to start to change. As your neighborhood starts to change, your city is going to start to change. As our cities start to change, our country is going to change. Jesus is saying, if you want to change the world, then vote me into the oval office of your heart and get me on the throne there. He's challenging everybody. Listen, where is your hope? Where do you pledge allegiance? Do you pledge it to the left or to the right or to Jesus? Jesus is saying to me, because listen, Jesus isn't red. Jesus isn't blue. Jesus is purple. He is royalty. He is majesty. He is the true king and he's bringing a new kingdom. And they were amazed at him. <laughs> they never heard anything like this. And so here's my question, City Life Lansing, with humility that I want to ask you in this important season in our country. Are you willing to evaluate your politics through the filter of your faith rather than create a version of faith that supports your politics? See, that's what Jesus was doing. He was just putting things in order. He was just putting things in order. He's not saying that elections are unimportant. He's just putting things in order. And he's saying, listen, there's a proper ordering of things. It's faith in front of politics. So on the one hand, the citizens of God's kingdom should be the very best citizens of earthly kingdoms so that even power-hungry leaders like Caesar should feel the positive ripple effects of Christian love and relationships in a society. But on the other hand, only God, only God, only God is entitled to our absolute loyalty and worship because only he is king. That's Jesus' point. That's Jesus' politics. And it's why I think it's so critical that we reclaim this as his followers today because I think it's possible for us to flip the order. 
It's possible for us to reverse the order. And what we start doing, if we're not careful, and it's so subtle, is that we begin giving to God what belongs to Caesar. And we start giving to Caesar. We start giving to politics what belongs to God, our highest passion, our highest identity. We just got to keep things in perspective, keep things in the right order. So let me just ask you a couple of questions, because I think all of us, you know, would say, of course, I put my faith before my politics. I mean, yes. That's why I vote the way I vote. And as we all strive to do that, here are just a few questions, just so we can think really deeply about this. Do you feel, question number one, a greater solidarity and sense of community with those who share your politics but not your faith than with those who share your faith but not your politics? If so, and this is so subtle, maybe we start to flip the order a little bit. That in our political zeal and passion, you know, this was a fascinating study, a 2019 survey from the Public Religious Research Institute. They found this from both Republicans and Democrats that most Republicans and Democrats would be more upset if their child married a person of the opposing political party than if they married a person of a different religious faith. And so this becomes a big deal. You know, it's interesting to me in Jesus' inner circle, he had Matthew, who was a tax collector, and Simon, who was a zealot. This is hilarious to me. Um, you know, Matthew works for the Roman government collecting taxes. Roman, as a, or Matthew, or Simon rather, as a zealot, he was actually like a revolutionary. He's like in the militia. He's trying to overthrow Rome. And so Jesus says, hey, let's take a guy who works for the government and let's take a guy who's trying to overthrow the government. Let's put them in the Jesus 12 disciples small group for three and a half years. And let's have dinner together and all kinds of discussions together as we walk along the road. That'll be interesting. And Jesus does this. He brings us together as a diverse community. And I love that because it's our unity in the midst of diversity that becomes our opportunity to show the world that we can disagree politically and love unconditionally. There's one more question I want to ask you just as we look into our hearts this weekend and really look to make sure we've got the order in the right place. And that is this. Does the fruit of your political engagement mirror the fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of it. As you're entering into conversations at work, around the dinner table, as you're watching the news, what's going on inside of you? What's coming out of you? Is it more love? Is it more joy? Is it more peace? Is it more patience? Is it more gentleness and self-control? Is there the fruit of the Spirit that's growing through it all? Or is it something else? Is it anxiety? Is it fear? Is it hostility? Is it bitterness that's there? It's another sign that we can just in little ways start to get the order reversed. And so here's the goal. We're going to give to God what's God's and we're going to give to Caesar what's Caesar because it's God's image that's stamped on you. And so I want to just close City Life Lansing with this one big truth, with this one big idea as we, as we seek to just put this into practice over the next few weeks. And here it is, the primary calling of a Christian is to represent God's kingdom. Do you know who you are? You're an ambassador. 
You are an ambassador. Uh, you know, I'm beyond grateful that I have the privilege to live in this country. When you think about the privileges that we have as Americans, I mean, you know, we have the opportunity to start businesses. We have the opportunity to have as many kids as we want to. You know, Pastor Jerome and I, we have like taken full advantage of that. There are places in the world where you can't do these things. And we have so many freedoms and I'm so grateful. But don't miss this. We are not first and foremost Americans with a vision for America. We are first and foremost followers of Jesus with a vision for his kingdom. And so I want to close with this scripture from 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18. It says, God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Come on, give me some hearts in the chat if you're grateful for that. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. That's who we are. We're reconcilers. And here's your calling. Here's my calling. So we are Christ's ambassadors. Yes. That's who you are. What a high calling. We're Christ's ambassadors. You know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is the highest ranking diplomat that's sent as a representative from one country to another. That's an ambassador. The highest ranking diplomat sent to represent one country in another. And that's who you are. You are the highest ranking diplomat sent by God to represent his kingdom, to represent heaven and the values of the kingdom here on earth, here in this country. And so you're here for one ultimate mission and purpose, and that is to help people be reconciled back to God. That's the win. Everything else should serve that purpose. And so when you post, when you speak, when you jump into conversations this week, you're not just representing yourself. You're not called primarily to represent a political party or viewpoint. You are an ambassador for Christ. You know, Jesus sent his disciples into the streets of Jerusalem with one simple mission and command. Love your city like I have loved you. And Jesus said, that's how the world will know you're my disciples. It's by how you love. It's by how you love. And so can I just remind you of something? You already know this. It's a good reminder. That your political candidate will win or lose on November 3rd and whenever it is that we find out the election results based on how Americans vote. But listen, the church is going to win or lose based on how we as ambassadors of the kingdom of God behave day in and day out between now and then. Your candidate is going to win or lose based on how everybody votes, yes. But the church is going to win or lose. Your community, your family, your neighborhood, we're all going to win or lose by how ambassadors of Christ represent Him it's by how we treat one another, forgive one another, and honor one another along the way. And so listen, as we prepare our hearts for what's to come, I just want to encourage you. You know, you can belong to a football team. I'm a fan of the Eagles. I grew up a fan of the Lions. Either way, we're, both of them are doing a lot of losing these days. You know, when the Eagles lose, it doesn't shake me. I don't feel like 
I'm losing in life. And no matter what happens in this election with your candidate, whether they win or lose, that would not be a loss if they do lose that can shake you. It's not a loss that can threaten you because your God is on the throne and he's in control of all things. And when Jesus came to this earth, they jostled for positioning, trying to get him to pick a side because their goal was that he would become a political leader to overthrow Rome. But Jesus had a big goal and that was to save the world and now he lives on the throne of your heart on the throne of my heart and as the church of Jesus we can represent him and bring that message of reconciliation to our world that desperately needs it and so back to our story as we close look at all the major players in the story we got Rome we got the Pharisees. We got the Herodians. We got, the, we got Caesar. You know where they are all today? Rome, gone. The Pharisees, gone. The Herodians, gone. Caesar, long gone. Jesus reigns. Jesus is king. So here's my closing challenge. Don't set your hopes on an outcome from November 3rd. Set your hearts on Christ. Then we can live not just with hope for a temporary election, but with hope in an eternal kingdom. Let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you that you have brought your kingdom into our world, into our hearts, into our lives. And I pray right now for every single person who's watching this. I pray that if anybody's watching this who is not God in a relationship with you, that you're not sitting on the throne of your heart, I pray that today they would bow their knee to King Jesus and experience the full reality of your glorious kingdom in their heart and in their life. God, for those of us who are called to represent your kingdom, I pray that we would be on mission in this season, that we would be engaged, that we would be thoughtful, that we would be used, God, and that most of all, Father, we would represent you well in a way, God, that will bring life change to others. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks so, let, so much for letting me be a part of your services this weekend. I love you. I'm praying for you. We're behind you in Philly. God bless. What is up, City Life? What a great day it has been. Thank you, Pastor Brad, for ending our King Jesus series so strong. Guys, right now, there are people meeting in homes watching Sunday services live. If you want to find out how you can join a home or maybe even host a home, you can head to our website at citylifelancing.com. Also, groups are just around the corner, but signups are happening now. You can sign up to join a group at citylifelancing.com or texting citylife to 94000. We are better together, so let's not do life alone. We will see you next Sunday as we jump into our new series called Open Mic with another special guest. And remember, all races, all ages, all faces, you belong here. We're going to keep loving the city one life at a time, and we won't stop until he makes all things new. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelancing.com. You belong here.